0: say uh dirtbag this is kid Schreiner, the voice of the green arrow and you are listening to the dcau review hosted by cal and liam streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app get charged up for action that'll shock your system Tell me that's not cool! An unstoppable superhero and his crew embark on impossible missions and will bring mutated villains to justice! When static's in the house, bad guys better step off! Pull the plug on crime with the adventures of Static Shock! Yeah!
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to episode 161 of the DCAU Review with me uh i am cal and with me my good friend good brother and the gentleman that runs our twitter account that's right it's liam liam uh, we are starting a new month hard to believe it we are halfway through the year already kicking off here the month of june where does the time go uh but uh, that of course means that uh, we have moved out of the month of magic uh, we had some fun with that but we are uh i'm feeling feeling a little electricity here as we're headed uh headed into the month of june that's right we've decided to move uh back to uh the friendly skies of dakota whether that's dakota north or south we're still not sure but welcome back to static shock
2: (laughs) that's right yeah location unsure dakota city usa Mm -hmm. uh But yes, we are back in the world of Stack Shock for the first time in a little while. And uh, yeah, we have, in fact, not only one episode, but two patented DCAU review double features, uh, patent pending.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A giant size, if you
2: will. That's right. That's right. So we got two episodes to talk about this week, those being The New Kid and Junior with the common thread being uh, that, that dastardly businessman, Edwin Alva, as we get to learn a little bit more about him and what his uh, nefarious uh, dealings and what he has in store for Static and the rest of Dakota. So that's our, our common theme as we work through these two episodes this week.
1: That is right. And if you recall, uh, as you said, it's been a little bit, probably about six months Uh, Since we've reviewed some Static, uh, I know we covered some of them in December. So uh, if you go back then, one of the episodes that we covered was uh, an episode early on that sort of introduced this shady character behind the scenes that was meeting with the mayor at like a duck feeding pond in the middle of the night, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we do get to learn a little bit about his shadowy dealings uh, as we get into both of our episodes here today. Uh, But before we do, uh, we are going to break each of these down individually, Liam, which of course, when we do a double feature, that means that you get to do two of our official internet movie database synopses. Uh, So we will uh, kick it off here. We are going to review New Kid first, the New Kid. Uh, So this episode originally debuted back on November the 16th. 2000 meaning uh we are we are coming up on the 21 year anniversary in just a few short months here uh i guess we're smack dab in the middle between the 20 and 21st anniversary of this episode debuting on the kids wb saturday morning back in the day but uh let's let's take a trip to the internet movie database and get the official synopsis in your best announcer voice please
2: That's right. This is for the episode, The New Kid, which was written by Stan Berkowitz and Alan Burnett, with teleplay by Rodney Vaccaro, directed by Dennis Cowan, music by Derek Thornton, and animation by Coco. And that synopsis reads as such. Science with Virgil is sent to a school for gifted students, which is funded by billionaire Edwin Alva there Virgil works on a fantastic robotics project not realizing that the robot is a century specifically designed to locate and destroy static a lot of words but uh well and so here's the thing and we'll get we can jump into plot here not only is that a lot of words it's a little it's a little long uh that's also not what the robot is supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the robot is not designed to destroy Static. Specifically, there is conflict between our sort of three villainous characters in this episode because two of them want to kill Static with the robot, and uh, the third does not want him killed; wants him captured so that he can be studied, so that they can better understand what exactly happened with all of these. What is what makes all of these Bang Babies tick? So. Uh, that's, that's like a D that's like a D minus. Like, I don't think you actually read the book. I think you... (laughs) i think you looked up a wikipedia synopsis
1: <laughs> you, you crowdsourced your answer there and then hoped that it was somewhat close to what was you know maybe you read the cliff notes but you didn't really read the cliff notes you just kind of said, read the cliff notes yeah not not a passing grade for that one at all uh but yeah let's jump into the plot here at liam uh so we open uh and uh at, as you mentioned here we have static who is uh Excited to uh, to be at school and is called into the principal principal's office after uh, after an amusing little scene where he's uh, failing a cooking class due to over electrocuting the cake he was making, I guess, which not sure not sure of the physics, I'm, I'm not a baker. <laughs> I'm also not a scientist. So I don't know the physics. We talked about this when we reviewed these back in, in December, but uh, they, they kind of just made statics powers do whatever the heck they wanted to. So I'm not sure the physics or the science behind adding electricity to a cake that didn't rise to make it make it rise again and then explode, but sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, why not? But <laughs> yes, uh, it's a, it's a big dramatic scene from there as he's brought into the principal's office. You think he's he's in big trouble. His father is there, but in fact, he finds out not that he is in any kind of trouble, but that he's been selected to go to this uh, school for gifted youngsters, if you will, uh, that we, we later find out is funded by the uh, the villainous Edwin Alva, and uh, so we, we kind of see Static removed from his familiar uh, high school and sent to this sort of school for geniuses and uh, has a little trouble fitting in almost immediately.
1: Yeah, uh, well, and, and that's because it's, a little, it's interesting because Static seems to, from the get go, doubt his own intelligence And feel like he's kind of like a fish out of water that isn't helped, of course, by these two people that are purportedly students, uh, but end up, in fact, (laughs) also being the teachers Uh, he's so he bumps into these two gentlemen who are basically the class bullies out in the uh, in the lobby as he's trying to figure out his way in the class. And uh, these two gentlemen, while they sound very familiar, which we'll get into later on into our voice acting, uh, they are they're definitely not uh, very friendly uh, to Mr. Hawkins, as he's trying to find his way and find the right class, uh, he soon then realizes once he is, uh, once he's introduced to some of his classmates, that, as I said, the peers apparently lead the classes at this school that is just sort of nondescript that apparently they just send super whiz kids to, but Virgil doesn't feel like he kind of belongs there from the get-go. He kind of feels outmatched, and it doesn't help that he, uh, he sort of has a crush on one of his, uh, on one of his co-students.
2: Yeah, so other than uh, the little bit of, of furthering the the Edwin Alvis stuff, that's probably the most significant part of the episode is that this is the first of many appearances of Daisy, which is sort of a would-be love interest uh for for Virgil and uh one of the classmates and of course by the end of the episode she ends up back in uh Virgil ends up back in his spoiler alert Virgil ends up back in in his regular high school and in fact daisy has transferred there as well so she becomes kind of a recurring character and it seems to me they, they kind of phase out the girl from the pilot uh frida like like that was kind of going to be the one he was pining for but it feels like at some point we kind of we switch uh from from her to daisy so i'll be interested to watch a few more of these uh earlier episodes and see if there's a natural transition to that or if we just kind of forget about that other character <laughs> but um but either way yeah that's probably the most significant part of it is, yeah as you said virgil sort of feels out of place but uh he makes friends with with daisy and with these two uh these two twins who are uh their personalities are basically just they take everything very literally and don't understand humor Is this a classroom of the starship Enterprise?
0: What's up? I'm Virgil. Either you're twins or one of you has invented a killer virtual reality projection. Neither of us is working on any type of virtual reality project. No, it was a joke. See, the two of you a projection. <laughs> Don't mind them. They're seriously joking pair. He's Duncan and he's Henry, right? And I'm Daisy. Hi, I'm, uh. Virgil? Uh, yeah. So where's the rest of the class? This is it? Four students to every teacher? Pretty fat. How do you get away with anything? You don't look like a troublemaker to me. Anyway, they're not really teachers. Upper classmen run the classes.
2: The students are the teachers? That's. Okay, class. A nightmare. Um, yes. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they're not really meant to be like serious characters. They're just there to do some, do some jokes and, and, and mispronounce uh, phrases that Virgil has taught them, which is fine. But yeah, from, from there, we, we see a robot attacking downtown Dakota. Uh, and Static has a battle with him. He's, he's sort of overpowered at one point and has to recharge. And he's able to kind of fight the robot off. And wouldn't you know it, at that point, it's revealed that it's actually a, a mech. It's a suit with a person inside. And it is, in fact, uh, one of the two bullies, slash, fellow students, slash, teachers. Uh, that would, of course, be uh, Mr. Trapper. Um, and we find out from there that, in fact, they are trying to build a robot or some sort of device that will allow them to capture static at the behest of the aforementioned Edwin Alva, who, uh, who is looking to capture and study static alive. I've been waiting for you. <clears throat> and I don't like waiting. Sorry, Mr. Alva,
0: we were working on- I gave you one simple assignment. Bring me static and you flunked.
2: Only by the narrowest of margins, sir, we're
0: using the class to perfect a tracking device that will prevent him from eluding us again. Let us hope so. Your extracurricular activities are costing me almost as much as this entire school. It's pass-fail time, gentlemen. It would be easier if we didn't have to catch him alive. That's an inconvenience you'll have to live with. I want my bio research team to study statics DNA and a live specimen is preferable to a dead one. After we have that, it'll be of no further use.
1: Using free child labor at that treat uh, (laughs) child geniuses, creating these uh, different things uh, for the suit. So as, as you mentioned that first attempt and run in with static uh, is, is unsuccessful. And uh, they they get back to the school the next day, and they it's, coincidentally enough they task the the team of students with building this uh, device that can detect uh, I guess electro current I think is what they say uh, and sort of track it uh, even if it's not even if it's not seen uh, so it, static sort of was able to get away and lose them. Uh, by hiding, and then I guess they lost him in the smoke. The smoke bomb that they released afterwards. So this is a way for them to continue to track him afterwards and kind of stay locked on. So they're actually fitting it to this second flying robot machine that sort of looks a little bit like the Blue Beetle's vehicle or like Owlman's vehicle in in the Watchmen. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so they have Virgil. Virgil actually is responsible for building this. They call it the eye uh, that tracks him and uh, he, they fit it onto this, this machine and uh Virgil and and Daisy Virgil sort of uh uh, Virgil and Daisy are leaving the school that day and they happen to see uh Edwin leaving in his limousine and Static was unaware at that time that he had uh, that Edwin Alba had anything to do with the school so uh, he immediately starts questioning some things and they kind of stumble upon by accident this secret area where uh specs and trapper are working i think it's specs is the other guy's name Mm -hmm. uh they're working on this this secret project and they're they're retrofitting this uh this eye that static created to this machine in order to be able to track him uh, so Daisy and static stumble upon it. They are of course discovered as they are watching, uh, Edwin, <laughs> Edwin Alva, uh, sort of give this, uh, uh, this exposition about why he's after static. And, uh, there's still arguments being happened between the three of them as to whether or not they're going to keep static alive or not. At this point, static is discovered. He escapes, And uh, they send the robot hovered UFO thing after him. And uh he smartly uh, as he's being chased he realizes later on I guess he didn't hear or see when uh, Daisy says they're using your eye on <laughs> well, the machine because there's this, like a scene a couple minutes later where he's like that's the eye <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes static that is the eye uh, so he uses it to uh, to lead actually the robot to Edwin Alba's penthouse which I thought was a which I thought was a fun turn and uh, it leads crashing right through into mr alva's uh office and his house
2: yeah i think that that is something that this episode does well uh is sort of the dichotomy of of virgil and how his like his own self-confidence when he's in and out of the suit Mm -hmm. um like i think you see that in the way he's talking to daisy when he when he Uh, gets away and and turns into static and and sort of saves her from the from the robot at first and then kind of realizes what's going on and realizes a way to kind of get the the robot to back off is to to go right to alva's house and and basically use him as a hostage um which i i just thought it was i thought that was fun and that's something that's sort of been touched on in previous episodes that we've reviewed about how it's not for whatever reason he just uh he doesn't necessarily think that highly of himself but he's clearly a very capable and smart kid and and so when he's when he's in the suit and the way that he sort of then outsmarts all the other geniuses first in uh you know in the way as virgil as he sort of creates the software that's used for this this eye and then also in sort of problem solving and figure out a way for him to uh to uh to get out of it himself and 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 to uh to bring it to alva's house so that the uh the uh the two other kids will have to to back off but of course they still try to uh to attack static but thankfully daisy and the twins have made it back to the school and uh pull out some wires which cause causes the the robot to go haywire and crash so uh, kind of as we said all's well that ends well at that point and then we get uh we get a final little scene of, of Virgil going back to uh to his old, old high school and, and reuniting with Richie and then finding out that uh, that Daisy is in fact going to be his his classmate going on so uh, I guess we could we could start getting into scores here uh I think this episode's fine it's not there's nothing great in it but it, like I said I I do like the stuff where we sort of focus more on As you said, Virgil kind of feeling a little bit like an outsider, but then kind of proving himself to to be really smart and be really capable in in the second half of the episode, especially once he's in the suit as static. So overall, I thought it's a a pretty, pretty good episode. Easy to watch. I ended up with a six out of 10 for plot.
1: Okay, all right. I actually went a little bit higher. Um, I really enjoyed this. And I think you mentioned this was uh, this was written by both Alan Burnett and Stan Berkowitz. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the writing credit, which is uh, something we've talked about a little bit here. A lot of times the writing, some of these episodes don't have uh, certain credits to them. So it was good to have a writing credit for this one, uh, directed also by uh, Mr. Dennis Cowan, co-creator of Static. Um, So uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I I think the story, um, while it is set in that sort of uh, high school Uh, dramatic teenage type setting Um, the storyline itself felt very similar to one that you would see in maybe the second season of Batman Beyond or something like that it felt Mm. a very cohesive a very good story easy to follow there wasn't a whole lot of the teenage drama bogged down into it it didn't it there wasn't uh there there wasn't a lot of uh, unnecessary quipping or involvement of a whole bunch of ancillary characters that really didn't need to be involved so I thought it cohesively worked very very well um which is something that I can't say uh has always been the case with some of the other episodes that we've we've uh, reviewed thus far of static so <laughs> uh, because of that i ended up giving the score a little bit higher i went an eight out of ten for the plot nice very good all right lane let's move on to visuals for this episode and as we said this episode is directed by static co-creator dennis cowan uh, and i think you said the uh the animation was done by coco
2: correct yeah so that's uh that's the uh, the visuals i think like we said because a lot of it is virgil at the school this isn't necessarily as spectacular in the first half we have the sort of first fight with static and and the the robot that's being uh that's being piloted by trapper which is fun there's uh there's it's it's kind of basic but i i really like the bit where um static does this like supercharge to sort of get away at one point he's sort of trapped in being fired at by some kind of some kind of energy beam and it seems to be hurting him a lot. So he kind of gives out this huge energy blast, which also sort of uh uh, leaves him feeling pretty tired and weak. So he he's sort of running away not only for his his safety but also to try to find a place to recharge. And he sort of backed into a corner in an alley and he he sees a fuse box and there's a, a very cool shot of him opening the fuse box we see his hand go toward. It. We see the electricity coming off of the fuse box and kind of crackling around his hand. And then we get sort of the which admittedly it's I and I know it's reused animation. It's in it's in every episode. It's usually the suit up sequence. Right. But I love it. Like yeah, I don't know. Like I think it's cool and it's kind of fun. And that, and whether or not it's you know, you could say that it's laziness and it's just saving, but I think, but I think it works really well here, especially where he's he's getting he's back in the fight. So dramatic sort of twist and the the hands start glowing and then he, he's back in the fight and and uh and i like static using the uh takes like a park bench and uses it to sort of create a tornado to start spinning it around really fast to create a tornado to, to anticipate the smoke that uh, the robot uh creates so i thought that first fight had a had a lot of fun visuals in it
1: yeah, I think this and, and this has been one of the things, especially on this first uh, season, first two seasons that, uh, you know, we have struggled with at times uh, because, you know, we we've discussed it maybe ad nauseum, but their budget was certainly a lot smaller than the rest of the DCAU shows. It wasn't even supposed to be in the DCAU t- at, you know, from the get-go. Uh, so it was kind of a very different idea on how to animate this. So there isn't as much cell shading, uh, which at times makes it look a little bit low budget. But I think you know watching it in crystal clear HD on the uh, HBO Max uh, app uh, again not a sponsored segment but could be uh hbo max if you're listening we gladly take some of that uh at money um but i think i think it it was just a little bit i think taking it for what it is uh, i think the visuals are very strong for this first season uh so grading on a curve maybe i think uh i think that the that first robot scene was pretty strong i like that they switched back and forth you kind of got the robot vision uh you know seeing things from the the robot's uh, point of view at times using its, its scanning and looking for static that that gave me some 80s slash 90s maybe some some terminator some uh, robo mm-hmm. vibes there and it's funny because static even calls him term, the robot terminator at one point uh, so it gives you some of those those classic tropes of seeing things from the robot's point of view as he's searching for his prey um, and then, like you said, uh, statics, the visualization of statics powers, I thought were very strong. Um, and then that final chase scene, I think is really, really great. Even though you can tell, you know, if you're paying really close attention, the background is just the same background over and over again, As static is flying and he's carrying Daisy with him as they've escaped. And, um, you know, so there was some budgeting limitations, however, for a, a lower budget program. I thought it looked pretty strong. Um, you know, the robot chases after him it's scraping up against the sides of the buildings because it's, it's kind of wider and there's, you know, some visual effects that they give to that. There's a part, uh, where static is sort of flying towards the uh, t- towards the camera view towards the screen almost, and scrapes up against one of the sides of the buildings, and there's some sparks that shoot off from that, and then ultimately that final scene where they kind of switch back and forth between the f- point of view from uh, you know from, from Trapper and Specs back in the lab as they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to shoot Static, and there's you know they kind of have him on target uh in their crosshairs so to speak and uh there's some great expression from from edwin alva's face
0: how's it feel alva back off fellas before you hurt your credit card do as he says
1: shut it down no i think i can still stun him
0: you guys are asking for a whole lot of detention i
1: i thought this is for the myriad of of episodes we've covered from this first season that i've been very very hard on i thought that this uh was very very strong visually um and grading on a curve like it's it's hard you know we talk about we can't it's hard to grade from show to show which is why we went from straight up just animation at the beginning to sort of the animation and visuals we eventually combined those into a category uh, to kind of help us grade a little bit more when we get into these different shows and the more streamlined from Batman the animated series all the way up to you know Justice League Unlimited so uh, for those reasons uh, I thought uh, and that final chase scene I think just just kind of put the the cherry on top I ended up giving visuals and animation a very strong nine out of
2: ten yeah I'm, I'm right in that same ballpark with uh, with an eight out of ten yeah i definitely think those two uh fight scenes are, are pr- pretty standout and I, I like the bit where he's where he's kind of carrying daisy away from the battle and it's her you know she's looking back at the at the the robot chasing them and see the buildings kind of sweeping and and he's sort of flying through the city and there's some some really cool shots and, and sort of panning and using using some uh, some cool camera tricks to get those different shots so yeah really really well done uh really solid episode yeah i agree all right William, let's move on to
1: our music now uh music uh, this week and uh again uh, one of the shows that the music has not been uh, fully released as far as soundtrack is concerned so um, with that said, uh, music from Static, I have been uh, highly critical of at times, I would say. Uh, Static tends to do this thing where they throw <laughs> throw lyrics or, or raps into the backing tracks, and I have a problem with that because I feel like Soundtracks are not supposed to detract from what's going on. And uh, oftentimes, because they're just like low-budget ripoffs of like some, some other type of song, or it's just the same phrase muttered over and over again, I find it to be very distracting. With that said, I think this episode also... Uh, does not have that issue there's not a lot of I I didn't I didn't detect uh, any other than the static theme Uh, I didn't detect very many uh, words accompanying the music in the background (laughs) and I I thought actually that the music really uh, really added to the atmosphere for this week's episode
2: yeah no I I think the music's pretty solid Um, it's there's a few little like random I don't know if interludes is the right word but like when he when the the bullies trick him they go like oh your classroom's through this door and he goes and they they like put him out through the fire escape there's just like some random electric guitar <laughs> that, and i'm like well, that's kind of weird because it doesn't really fit the usual music that you hear in the show
0: <clears throat> sorry to bother you
2: then don't
0: Uh, I'm looking for lab 16.
2: Check between 15 and 17. He doesn't look like he's into double digits yet.
0: Thanks for nothing. Come on, Specs. The kid's just looking for where he belongs. You're right, Trapper. Right in here. Thanks! (laughs) Hey!
2: (laughs) Fuck me. Um, nor does it really fit like it didn't it was just like real like crunchy like you know power ballad guitar and i was like this is this is interesting this is, <laughs> I was an interesting choice but uh but no i didn't i didn't, i thought the music was was pretty solid and and pretty good and and helped uh, help the general pace of uh, the the heavier action moments and stuff like that so i gave it a a, a solid 6 out of 10 here
1: nice uh well for every six that you've given thus far i've had to give it an eight and i'm going to continue that here i think actually <laughs> the uh so again grading on a curve almost i think but um, i think that the scene uh, the initial scene with the robot attacking static i thought that the music played really well in that scene um i thought that uh it, you know definitely i always talk about adding to the tension of the scene it really great created you know a great atmosphere for what's happening on the screen. I thought it matched uh, for the most part. And then I think that the music during the chase scene at the end, uh, one of my favorite things to, to, to have is some good accompanying music to a chase that's happening on screen. And I thought that they, they kind of paid that off pretty well here. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you that there were, they're still kind of finding their feet, were finding their feet on some of those, uh scenes that maybe didn't need music and uh kind of fell into that old trap where we're just going to play music in the background like every sort of (laughs) 90s and 80s uh 80s cartoon show did at the time so uh, i don't disagree with you there but still i think uh as critical as i've been i had very little to complain about so that's probably why i gave it a little bit higher uh with the added bonus of of some of the the uh, higher intensity scenes being being soundtracked well Love it. All right, Liam, and let's head into our final category for this first part of our double feature today, and that is going to be voice acting Uh, right off the bat. I heard a couple of very recognizable voices, one of them, uh, a fairly well-known actor, especially in the uh, in the maybe in the nerddom. Uh, Another one, a D.C.A.U. Absolute legend. Uh, But uh, we have a a rather large cast regardless. So let's uh, let's talk about today's voice cast
2: yeah we uh we briefly get jason Marsden as richie and kevin michael richardson as virgil's dad uh but as we said most of the episode takes place at the school or or uh, around that area so uh we have a lot of uh, a lot of guest cast today we have uh, uh marcus toji as as the twins like i said kind of just there to be comic relief but they have a, a few funny lines back and forth uh with with virgil um We have uh, Crystal Scales as Daisy. Like we said, this is her first appearance in in the series. And uh, I think she does a pretty solid job. Like, again, she's kind of there to just be, she's the one that's sort of nice and is a little bit more welcoming to Virgil after everyone else he meets either ignores him or is a little standoffish with him. So, But I, I think she does a solid job. She was okay. Yeah. I think, I, I think this is a case where hopefully
1: she is able to come a little bit into her own later on. Uh, I thought there were some scenes where she was okay. And then there were some scenes where she came off a little too wooden for my taste. Um, so it, you know, it, it balanced out into just a, an okay, I think performance, there wasn't anything super offensive. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like Charlie Brown Christmas level of, of bad, <laughs> bad uh, <laughs> line reading, but Uh, You know, it's it's it wasn't it wasn't there were some times where I was like, ooh, that could have used a little like probably a second or a third take if they had if they had their way. So, uh, okay, not great.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Other than that, we have. uh, As mentioned, we have uh, Michael Rosenbaum as uh, as Mr. Trapper. So it's uh, obviously this was probably before. It was probably around the time he was showing up in like Batman beyond and stuff as a background voice, but kind of probably recorded just pre Smallville and then also pre obviously him being the Flash on, uh, on Justice League. So uh, it's funny to hear him pop up in some of these uh, some of these earlier shows because he has a very recognizable voice and he's kind of pitching it up a little bit because he is supposed to be playing a younger character. But it's it, there's no mistake in who that voice is.
1: Yeah. It was, it was an immediate recognizable oh, Michael Rosenbaum making an appearance here. And it's, it's, it's a very dry uh, you know, he's playing a very under it's an underperformance and it's intentional because they're supposed to be very like dry kind of like almost like a bench. like I, I know Michael Rosenbaum always d- likes to do impersonations of, of different pe- like famous people yeah. as his characters. Uh, I think uh, I think most famously he did Christopher Walken for uh, what was his character's name in Batman Beyond? Uh, Ghoul. Uh, Ghoul, yeah, it was
2: Christopher Walken and doing uh, a, a retrospectively awkward Kevin Spacey voice for Deadshot.
1: Right. Yeah. So he likes yeah. to. So it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know who, if he was doing like a Ben Stein or what, but it's a very dry, very understated performance <laughs> for Michael yes. Rosenbaum. But it's still very clearly Michael Rosenbaum in in, in his performance. Uh, surprisingly, I, I feel like maybe it was just because of the character and who and the type of character that it was. It wasn't super distracting. Obviously, you know the entire time who it is. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't to me it wasn't as bad as Mark Hamill as you know as Ferris Boyle or one of those other ones that we've heard where it's like ah I just can't hear I just can't get past it <laughs> and some of it may be that he didn't have that many lines in this episode so he wasn't the while he did have some lines he wasn't the main main focus of this
2: well uh no as we as you mentioned there's kind of a three-headed hydra here of the villains we have uh his his partner, Mr. Specks, being played by one Patton Oswalt, which is one of those things where the whole time I'm listening, I'm uh, I'm watching the episode, I'm like, God, that sounds like Patton Oswalt. And then, wouldn't you know it, it for good reason, because it was him. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think he does a, again a solid job. Him playing off of Michael uh, Michael Rosenbaum, I think, is fun. Again, they're both playing these sort of droll, holier than now. Stuck up, stuck up, smart kids, and uh, I think kind of their best stuff maybe comes when they're interacting with Alva and uh, and sort of arguing a little bit with each other and with him about uh, about whether or not they can kind of take the shot on static or not, and then and then definitely their their interactions that they they have briefly with with Virgil I think are pretty pretty good uh, as well, but yeah, it's just funny to see a, a a voice I I don't know I guess at this point he wasn't nearly as Famous, probably 2000. Um, I guess maybe he was doing. I don't know if he
1: had started King, I don't know when King of Queens had come on yet, but yeah, I guess he was probably still doing stand up and and I don't know what else he would have would have done at that point, but um, yeah, I it's definitely probably not as famous as he is today for sure,
2: but yeah, and then uh, our our main villain of the piece, we have a uh, Kerrigan Mahan as edwin alva and i don't think i picked up on this at all in the in the first episode and he wasn't in it very much uh but the first thing we covered with him as uh, as edwin alva but he's he's just doing michael douglas like he's just doing michael douglas from wall street (laughs) wow
1: i did not make that connection until you just said it but yes absolutely 110 percent really Wow, mind mind blown right here. Very good. Yeah, it's uh it's that's that's spot on. It's absolutely spot on.
2: Yeah, that and that that's I think when it clicked for me. Like, because I think maybe the first episode we even noticed, wow, he's he's really monotone and kind of weird. And then this episode I was like, oh no, he's just literally doing Michael Douglas and he's playing Michael Douglas's, you know, greedy rich guy character from from Wall Street or whatever. Like this is. I think this is definitely intentional. And once, once I kind of figured that out, it, I think it actually helped it. But uh, yeah, all, all of those guys along with, uh, and, and girls with, uh, along with uh, of course, Phil Lamar as Virgil Hawkins slash static. I think it's a pretty solid episode. Like we said, n- no one's uh, necessarily given a lot of, of great acting to do. I think some of the the funnier moments uh, are, are really, really fun. I think the last little bit there when, when Daisy shows up in the school and, and Virgil's trying to show off and talk about how the, you know, I know this school like the back of my hand and then he opens the door and it's a, a janitor's closet. Uh, I <laughs> thought, I thought, I thought Phil Lamar's delivery on that was really good, but uh, yeah, for, for all those reasons, I think it's a, it's a pretty solid fun cast and I, I came to a seven out of 10 for voice acting. That's right.
1: Um, yeah. And I, uh, I went just a tick higher. I went with a, uh, with an eight out of 10. Um, I think everybody is, is solid. I think that, uh, Patton Oswald and, and Michael Rosenbaum are really good. I think that, uh, that Phil Omar is exceptional for the episode. Um, I really enjoy his sort of, a lot of times the inner monologue that he has that sort of just kind of exposition all the time to everybody anybody listening uh i i feel <laughs> like i feel like that can sometimes be a detriment because because he kind of has to just kind of talk in these quizzical almost cadences like he's just discovering things as he's like saying them out loud to himself but i I think for this episode, there was a little bit less of that and a little bit just reliance on, oh, Virgil's actually really smart. Virgil figured this out on his own and he doesn't have to voice it. Like knowing that the people at home had figured it out five minutes before, you know, five minutes before he's voicing <laughs> this. So, other than maybe the the one time where he's like, "It's the eye." It's like, yes, yes, it is the eye. It <laughs> is the eye that you created. But uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a solid episode all the way around here. Which uh, I guess Liam will bring us to our final scores for our first episode here in our. Uh, Our bonus or our our double feature here. Uh, I think totaling everything up here for me, I end up uh, with a very strong 33 out of 40. What about you?
2: Yeah, uh, so I think you were we were only one or two points uh, apart in each category. But uh, those uh, those added up as across our four categories is I think I ended up with a, a little bit lower there in a 27 out of 40.
1: All right, so uh, I guess that will bring us to our uh, f- for our first episode here. Rewatchability. Um, I think that there is certainly some case to be made. Uh, this is somewhat integral to the part of figuring out uh, who this Edwin Alba is, as we learn, uh, he features even more heavily in our second part here. So you learned, learn a little bit about his nefarious schemes and his desire, his, his desire to learn about uh, the bang babies and what makes them tick, so to speak. But where does this fall for you as far as rewatchability is concerned? Uh
2: Yeah, it's I think uh, some of these characters do come back. Obviously, Daisy's a fairly important character to the series and, uh, you know, Specs, Trapper and Alva all come back as well. So it's not super integral to the the DCAU as a whole. But as far as a static episode, especially a season one episode. Yeah, I think this is I think this is important enough. This gets a a one thumb up for me for rewatchability.
1: Yeah, I'd say same thing. I think it does add a little bit more depth to this character, especially if you saw that episode. Uh, that we had reviewed in the past with the uh, the mayor and Edwin Alba feeding ducks at the pond uh, (laughs) then you would want to know well what is this guy doing other than feeding ducks at midnight at the pond with the mayor like what is he up to so this gives you a little bit more insight into his uh, into his plans and what uh, what kind of is going on inside his evil brain so uh, yeah I'd say one thumb up I think even just as a season one episode uh, I haven't recommended a whole bunch of these so far so I think Uh, again grading on a curve uh, i'd say yeah definitely check this one out it's fun uh it's it's very well paced i felt like uh didn't Mm -hmm. feel like it dragged at any point so yeah go ahead and give it a watch all right liam well that will take us to our second part of our double feature as we mentioned at the top of the episode this episode is entitled junior also featuring heavily edwin alva and also Uh, edwin Alva jr wouldn't you know it Uh, before we get into breaking down our four categories for this episode which originally debuted on the kids wb saturday morning back on february the 10th uh, 2001 meaning we are coming we just passed actually the 20 year anniversary of this episode debuting just a few months ago Uh, let's get the official imdb synopsis for this episode
2: Yeah, so uh, the credits for this one uh, are a little bit confused and muddled because uh, I went with, so there's three sources, which is the the episode itself, what it says, and then what it says at the DCAU wiki, and then what it says on IMDb, and I got different answers, but I'm going to, for the most part, I'm going to go with what was on the screen, because that seems like. I would say it's the most reliable. There were a lot of mistakes in the credits in season one and two of static. I believe they were mostly fixed for like DVD releases and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do believe a few did slip through. So could be wrong about this, but uh, officially what I got from, uh, from the show, uh, the synopsis for junior written by Dwayne McDuffie, directed by Dennis Cowan with music by Stanley Clark an animation by Coco. And that synopsis reads as such. Angered that his father ignores him, Edwin Alva's son applies his vast scientific knowledge to manipulate the properties of the Big Bang gas. He turns himself into a multi-powered being so that he can destroy Alva's businesses. Mm. I was ready to give it like a really
1: high score until it added that second sentence on there at the end. Like vast scientific knowledge. I like that. Didn't like the second. That's like a, it's like a C
2: C plus rambled too much. I would say. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair enough. At least it did accurately describe what happened in the episode. Unlike the other one though. So. Good point. But uh, uh, yeah, go yeah, ahead and jump into the plot. Liam. Yeah. So this one I think is, is fairly straightforward as far as there isn't necessarily as much, uh, much to do, at least in the first half of the episode, uh, they're at a a sort of a, a new opening for the rec center where Virgil's father works. Um, they're opening a new gym there, and Virgil is is late because he's off doing static stuff. A very a very Spider-Man, or to your point, uh, Cal, also a very Batman Beyond moment where he's uh, you know the hero the hero that's in high school and. Is, is trying to, to balance this double life and is kind of letting those those loved ones around him down by uh, because he's too busy out saving the world. Um, or in this case, stopping some snake men from, uh, <laughs> from robbing a convenience store.
0: Come on, Dad, he must have a good reason. He better. All right, who's next? Come on, just because you guys taste like chicken doesn't mean you have to act like them. How did you know? If it were a snake, it would have been. If I were you, I'd charge them with attempted robbery. But then again, they've already been charged pretty good.
1: Oh, man. That's right. They are human rattlesnakes with also snakes for hands, also. Uh, uh, Very, very odd. I mean, kind of a cool looking villain but they were also wearing leather
2: jackets or leather yeah, vests i need a, a biker gang
1: yeah well yeah i don't i'm not quite sure well, how but, would
2: they do the pedals
1: <laughs> uh maybe they maybe the uh I don't know i don't know (laughs) wait (laughs) anyway i don't know anyway uh let's not try and figure this out this the physics of this out now but yeah it is a very uh very familiar trope here as as uh static is disappointing his father doesn't show up on time for this ceremony and then Of course, he's has a bit of a conundrum where he cannot reveal the reason why he was late because he was taking on the snake biker gang men. Uh, So what is he to do, but he looks uh, his father mentions that in the last couple weeks he's uh, becoming becoming more and less reliable and reckless and. Uh, he's not a fan of it, and they're going to have to have a serious conversation. Uh, Static uh, is on the phone later on talking with Rich, Richie, uh, kind of voicing his concern and not understanding and how he, why his dad doesn't trust him. And he feels like he's earned uh, his dad's trust and his dad should just cut him some slack. Richie, uh, not being a very good friend here, certainly not being very empathetic, uh, tries. <laughs> tries to decides to side with uh with static's dad which kind of sets static off he's not in a very good mood at that point so he goes out on patrol and uh as you mentioned the opening scene uh kind of running side by side which is kind of the, the tale of this whole episode is the the dynamic between uh virgil and his father and then uh, edwin alba jr and his dad edwin alba senior and uh, their relationship so this gymnasium that's being dedicated uh is by edwin alba and boy uh do we have a a, a maybe a new first place for worst dca <laughs> you dad here as just from the get go he's playing typical like Disney movie awful dad like overbearing parent disappointed in his son and boy he is not afraid to let him know
2: I mean I guess it's apt for what we're covering but he is cartoonishly mean to his son <laughs> like he's so mean like
0: not to worry sir I've made all the appropriate payoffs. The shipment should. What? I just wanted to say thanks for getting me out of school for this. I really. It's not that big of a deal. Prep school seems to be a lost cause for you anyway. Now, if you don't mind. So the shipment should be departing Dakota by 1300 hours. The second
2: that uh, the kid walks up to him, he just has this, this look of disgust on his face. He just cannot wait to get away from this child. Like he hates his son. It's incredible. Like <laughs> it's amazing that they could put this on a children's show. Like have a children like that cartoonishly evil and like verbally abusive to his son. And at one point he talks about how he like oh, he can't believe that his son is gonna be his legacy. He wished he just had a statue instead. Like <laughs> what a terrible man. Bad look. And uh, and yeah, but that is, as you said, that is kind of the the Duality of the episode is to contrast this horrible, uh, vindictive relationship that they have, because in in response to his his father's lack of attention and verbal abuse, uh, Edwin Junior goes and uh, tells his father that he he sort of understands how the bang baby gas works and he's uh, he studied it and and Ed, and uh, Edwin Senior of course immediately uh, dismisses him and so Edwin Junior goes and steals all of the, uh, the bang baby gas makes himself a cool, like fantastic four suit and, uh, and, and uh, creates these, uh, these little, these little pockets uh, uh, of, of the gas and sort of is aware that each, each sort of sample of the gas he's played with will give him a different superpower. Um, And so he decides to, if, if his father won't give him that attention then he'll, he'll make his father pay attention by destroying his, uh, his, uh, his businesses legitimate or otherwise. And and that of course puts him into contact uh, or into conflict with static who, uh, uh, while they may be arms dealers, as we see, as we see junior attacking a, a ship out in the Harbor static is, uh, is there to sort of be like, well, you can't, you can't just kill him though. So that's, that's sort of the conflict and,
0: You tell your friends about this?
2: Skip the part where I tried to pick up the boat.
0: What do you think you're doing? I don't believe we've been introduced. I'm nefarious. You're nefarious? I'm nefarious. It's my name. It means many forms. Bro, I go to public school. Latin's an elected. Why did you help those sailors? They work for Alba. They're gun smugglers. That doesn't mean we let them drown. You telling me you did this? Uh-huh. This, too.
2: Alba. Uh-huh. And here, like, I don't, one thing I don't, I don't think they necessarily explain very well. And they say that he's, like, very smart and that he, like, figured out how it worked. But they don't really explain, like, the the pouches aren't labeled. Yeah. So, like, what if he's going for x-ray vision and he accidentally does the dragon wings one? Like, that's uncomfortable. (laughs) Like... Oopsie! He just he's
1: oops, wrong one.
2: Right, or or (laughs) vice versa. He goes for he goes to fly, and he goes for the wings one, and he he he's like, oh well, I could see through the building as I'm falling to my death, like. they don't they don't make it clear how exactly he's aware of like which which power he's gonna get
1: maybe it's quadrants he goes into certain quadrants like because he's Mm -hmm. he wears this that bubble wrap type stuff around his waist and his wrists so Mm -hmm. maybe he has it sectioned off into different quadrants or something i i don't know that's but you're right They they don't they don't they don't they're not very clear with how that works
2: yeah that's that's more nitpicking though but yeah that's that's sort of the the second half of the episode as you said uh virgil's sort of letting his dad down and he and his dad have this argument where uh virgil virgil just you know why why can't you just trust me i you know it's it's for a good reason i can't really explain it obviously he doesn't want to necessarily tell his family that he's static but uh uh but eventually he does come to the point where he's willing to do that mostly because uh, jr uses his uh his one packet of gas to use x-ray vision and is sort of able to piece together virgil's uh, identity and tells tells virgil that if if static tries to stop him from uh from destroying his father's businesses that that he will tell the world that virgil is static and it kind of puts uh static in this in this dilemma but uh i like lo- i like where they kind of go with it where that he despite the fact that Edwin Alva is a terrible person and that a lot of the people working for him are probably also bad people. He's not going to let this guy just murder him. (laughs) And, and so even, even knowing that his secret is probably going to be exposed, he goes, he goes through with it anyway. And, uh, and that sort of creates a, a really interesting couple of scenes where, First, we have uh, Robert kind of sitting sitting at the kitchen table, poring over old family photos. We see photos of uh, young Virgil with with Sharon, his sister, as well as their mother, and uh, and and Sharon kind of tell tells uh, tells their dad that look, like I know he's a pain, but he's a really good kid, and he's probably got a good reason for whatever's going on. So maybe you just need to trust him. And-
0: Thought you were going to bed early.
2: Couldn't sleep.
0: This won't help. Looking at pictures of Mom? Not this time. Virgil. Remember this barbecue? I'm the one who dropped all the hamburger meat on the ground. Really? Virgil took the blame because Mom was already mad at me. I don't think we fooled her, but she let it slide. If you quote me, I'll deny it, but, um, Virgil's a great guy. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Hey. Mwah. Yeah, what did I do? Dad,
2: there's something I need to tell you. And that leads to a really nice scene between between Virgil and Robert on the roof.
1: Yeah, that that scene actually very much reminded me of uh, the scene that, that kind of ends, and we haven't covered the episode yet, uh, but there's a scene in the new Batman Adventures episode Over the Edge where
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: Barbara Gordon goes to Jim Gordon to try and sort of... Uh, spoiler alert after a series of events she decides that she's going to confess her secret identity to to commissioner Gordon and uh Commissioner Gordon sort of stops her short and and decides that he doesn't he doesn't need whatever she's going to tell him. It's okay. He trusts her. And that's just sort of mirror mirrored that a little bit, I feel like, and 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 had a very similar similar vibe to it. You know, Virgil's dad is very loving. He stops him he stops him short of of telling him whatever the secret is and he says you know, Virgil, I do trust you. You're a good kid, you know, whatever it is, it's okay. You don't have to tell me, you know, I trust you. That's very touching. And it's, you know, again, it kind of directly, uh, is runs running, running parallel to this, this relationship, uh, with the Alvas who are, you know, who are literally warring against each other. And, uh, you know, to the point where it gets to the point where uh, Edwin Alva sends his own robots to attempt to stop uh, his son from destroying uh, destroying his basically what he believes to be his legacy and uh, and to stop destroying his his uh, his his wealth and his riches and uh you know, it, Edwin Jr. has this conversation with him where he, you know, he tells him that he'll make him a statue out of the rubble of the, of the things that he's going to destroy that belong to him. And um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Alva kind of decides at the very last second that his army of robots that he sent after his son, he doesn't, you know, he's worried that they're going to kill him. He doesn't want them to. They, they won't listen to him because they feel threatened so they try and kill him static has to to fly up and do uh an, an EMP an electromagnetic pulse that knocks everything's out kn- knocks uh knocks these robots uh, offline and uh there's one final battle between between junior and static where static sort of stands in between them and uh junior still doesn't quite understand it's the, the old trope of you know why is he protecting him he's evil he's you know he's he's bad and uh he unfortunately overdoses on his bang baby gas and uh turns himself ironically wouldn't you know it into a statue
2: yes speaking that's that's a very disney end yes character 100%. Uh, or uh, you know fairy tale and um but yeah he basically bursts all the pockets of uh, of gas on the belt at once and has this sort of uh, horrific transformation and then and then solidifies into just a uh, being of rock and and that's that's sort of where the episode ends is is static is sort of just so uh is so uh, upset and and angry at alva because uh there's there's part we kind of forgot to mention earlier in the episode where static actually goes to alva and tells him hey this is your son so let's let like let's figure out how to stop him and as you mentioned, Edwin Alva's idea is to send a bunch of armed, like, robot drone pilots after him, and uh, to shoot at him. Um, where and and Static said, you know, I, I thought you guys would just like fuck it out or something, and and sort of, uh, and it sort of helps uh, Virgil better appreciate his own uh, fatherly, uh, father father son relationship. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a nice little bow on that, and. I think that uh, that contrasting of uh, of the two relationships works really well. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode a lot, and uh, I ended up giving Plot a nine out of ten.
1: Wow, um, yeah, I went I went a little bit lower. I went uh, I went eight out of ten um it's it's very strong i think that the parallel between the two relationships is the heartbeat of this episode and uh going by again what the episode said uh if this was indeed written by mr the late great mr Dwayne mcduffie uh man what a great another another great uh way to bring sort of this real life thing you know i'm sure a lot of people can can relate to not having great relationships with their parents or being frustrated with uh, whether it's when you were a teen or even maybe as an adult with your parents not trusting you with the decisions that you can make and then kind of having that that realization uh, at some point that when your your parents start to see you as an adult and hopefully begin to trust you to be able to make your own decisions and uh, or maybe maybe you identify more with the uh, with the the Alvas relationship and just have a tumultuous. <laughs> A terrible parent that's just overbearing and and wishes they had a statue instead of, uh, instead of you. So, uh, you know, either way, uh, I, I feel like uh, Mr. McDuffie did a great job of, of writing this one. It's, uh, it's very poignant. I think that final scene too between, uh, between Edwin Alva and, and static where static, you know, says, Oh, you know, I thought, I thought, thought father and son could work things out. I thought that's kind of, it's kind of how it went. And he's like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm pretty lucky.
0: is he alive i don't know i never should have told you but i thought a father could work things out with his son even you (laughs) guess everybody isn't as lucky as me
1: Awesome, you know, static static also realizing that you know this whole time that he thought his dad was being unreasonable. And then once his dad shows him that he trusts him, he's like, actually, yeah, that's pretty special. I I, I like that. So very, very strong on
2: the plot there. It's agreed.
1: All right, let's move on to visuals and animation here, Liam. Uh, so another episode. Uh, this one, as you mentioned, uh, I think for me. Uh, most of the the visuals and excitement come uh, I guess technically the snake people at the beginning are, are certainly interesting at least uh, interesting visuals unique characters to look at uh, certainly uh, certainly not quite sure how they were getting around slithering on those tails but okay sure maybe. <laughs> Uh, reminded me a little bit of, of one of the G.I. Joe villains from the Serpentor from the G.I. Joe uh, movie from the late 80s, maybe. <laughs> uh, that's a throwback Thursday, if you're not sure of that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, other than that, I think for me, the the real standout highlight probably comes from Junior and uh, his, his various transformations, which I thought were done, especially, again, grading on a curve here for season one of Static with a lower budget. I thought that they were done very well.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, I think they they give him a kind of fun grab bag of of powers, and and they visualize them pretty well. There's one that's sort of just like this kind of strong, indestructible type, so he becomes just kind of big and buff. And there's one where he's a uh, uh, more of a, a Hulk type, where he, he's he's a little bit more, he's bigger, but he's sort of more deformed, and like you can see, like his teeth are jagged, and his his head's kind of misshapen. And and then, and then as we mentioned, there's there's one's where he's uh where he's where he's got like these big purple wings on his back and he has like these like vampire ears as well so they yeah they they did some uh, some creative stuff with those powers uh i think probably all the way to the end there when he as we mentioned sort of overdoses on the powers and he sort of starts going through all of these forms in rapid succession and you know turns into turns into the buff guy and then into the the hulk like creature and then into this kind of weird purple monster before you know, sort of spinning around and, and turning back into this, uh, the stone version of himself. It's uh, there's some, uh, some pretty cool visuals and some, some pretty darn good animation from, uh, from Coco there as well.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think uh, I really liked the dragon form that he takes, uh, you know, that he has sort of these pointed ears and these wings and, and the tail that come out. Um, I think, uh, but, but I think, honestly, I, I think that that's the majority of that, and that kind of final fight scene is where where those visuals really shine through. Um, you know, there's not not a whole lot of static, I guess before then because it's a lot of him, him talking to to his dad and there's there is some of Virgil's dad and Virgil's sister hanging out in the kitchen and uh, a lot of Edwin Alba having these conversations with Junior and so the action really I feel like doesn't doesn't really fully take place until that third act but it really really comes in really strong I think the robots uh, the drone army the piloted drones I thought those are interesting looking I I think it is interesting that they went with like this blue and white Fantastic Four looking costume as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, but then the gas is like purple. It it that did not. I was just like, could they have made the gas yellow or like? anything other than purple it just is not does not go with the rest of the suit my man my man didn't get it tailored properly had to <laughs> check to see what would uh you know to get his uh, his color scheme figured out ahead of time but um yeah i think the visuals are very very strong for this episode uh which is why i i think ultimately that final scene where he kind of overdoses on on his bang baby gas uh again going with what their limited budget was And uh, and what they had going here for the series, I felt like the transformation was was something that was pretty interesting because he kind of overdoses on his gas and he switches between six or seven different forms. There's like an alien uh, octopus looking thing. There's, you know, he kind of transforms between the other forms that he had taken and then kind of landing on this statue form where he kind of hardens and just freezes there. Uh, and then the, the parting shot, I thought was very interesting, kind of letting you know that uh, perhaps this isn't the last we've seen of Junior, uh, because Edwin Alva even asks Static, you know, is he alive? Static says, I don't know, can't tell. Uh, but then to kind of give you the wink that maybe this isn't the last you see of Junior, uh, there's a parting shot on his face and his eyes sort of light up and then it's a fade to black after that. So very, very interesting. Uh, I, I thought the visuals were very strong for this episode. Um, uh, two, of, two of them actually. So I ended up giving uh, visuals uh, also for this episode, a strong nine out of 10. What about
2: you? Yeah, I, uh, I actually gave it the exact same score, a, a nine out of 10. I just think... I think a lot of that stuff's great, as, as you mentioned, and I think in plot there, uh, uh, Static doing the, when, when he's trying to stop the, uh, the drone pilots from attacking, uh, attacking Junior, and he does this sort of giant electromagnetic pulse, and you sort of just see the waves of, of electricity kind of go through the city and it shuts down all of the drones and you see all the pilots jumping and parachuting out of them and you see sort of all the lights and all the buildings go dark i thought that was a pretty cool visual and and sort of getting across how much that would take out of him as well i think because he's sort of down and on his knees and 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 really uh really really worn out after that so i I, I really like that visual and then along with all the other things we mentioned about uh, the, the various powers of, of uh, the villain, i as he demanded people call him. So uh, uh, I think we forgot to mention that in plot, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I just mostly st- stuck with uh, Edwin jr. In my notes, if I'm being honest. That's true. Yes. Uh, same.
1: All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Uh, I'm not going to lie didn't have a ton of musical notes uh, listed in this episode it kind of took the back seat for me uh, with the exception maybe of that that final final fight scene between static uh, and
2: junior. Uh, what did you have anything that stood out for you as far as music for this episode? Yeah other other than the action I would say that the the only stuff I noticed was kind of the the it was pretty muted and kind of held back a lot during the sort those sort of more emotional beats between. Uh, first between uh, uh, Sharon and 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 their dad and then between between Virgil and his dad on, on the roof later I thought they did some some good sort of backing to that again it was it was very understated and and uh, yeah other than that I I did enjoy the music and uh, most of the action beats there with uh, on the ship as well as in the final battle there but yeah I, I settled on a six out of ten thought it was fine thought it added a little bit to those. Those quieter moments, but uh, nothing nothing super big to, uh, to write home about there.
1: Yeah, I felt like, I think rightfully so, that this episode sort of relied more heavily on the dialogue. Uh, and because it was more dialogue heavy, the music sort of faded in the back. I also gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, this wouldn't be opposed, by the way, Warner Brothers, if you're listening, to have some of this early static stuff released. Because uh, I would like to hear some of this stuff in in isolation. If not, uh, if not the pieces that have uh, accompanying lyrics, uh, a plus for that. Another episode <laughs> that didn't feature uh, lyrics in the background. But uh, yeah, uh, would love to hear some of this stuff in, in in isolation to hopefully appreciate it a little bit more. But uh, I digress. Let's move on to our final category, Liam, for this week, and that is going to be voice acting. Not a huge cast, but certainly uh, some great performances, in my opinion, for this week. Uh, let's talk about this week's voice actors.
2: Yeah, before we get into the uh, what I think are the actual strong performers, we have some what I, I guess, again, maybe weren't as big a names at the time, but I think people that you would definitely know as sort of background characters. One is... Uh, the guy playing uh, Edwin Alba's right-hand man that kind of gives him some information in a couple of scenes is Adam Baldwin, who uh, folks would know from The Patriot or Independence Day. Also voices Rick Flag eventually in, in Justice League Unlimited uh, playing, playing just this bit part. And then also uh, John Cho, uh, who would be uh, Harold from Harold and Kumar interesting uh, as well as uh sulu in the jj abrams star trek movies uh-huh. um, he's playing i think he's playing one of the guys on the ship Interesting. like it's it's uh yeah it's 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 very weird to see and again maybe they weren't as established actors or uh then as they as they are now but definitely it was like oh wow that's that's a random person to see pop up as like a basically a step above additional voices by. (laughs) Um, But just kind of a a funny thing to note. But yeah, as, as far as our main players, we briefly have... Uh, Amanda Waller herself, CCH Pounder, as the mayor who's a little less corrupt in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's just kind of there to, to, to help open this uh, this new uh, this new gym at the, at the Rec Center. but uh, yeah, our, our strong performances come from uh, definitely from we have Matt Ballard uh, who's done a quite a bit of voice acting in, in video games as well as animation playing uh, Edwin Jr. And then, of course, as we mentioned in our first episode, Kerrigan Mahan as, as Alvin. Like I said, it's, it's, <laughs> it's mostly just, it's so funny. It, like, it crosses over into funny as to how mean uh, <laughs> how mean Edwin Sr. is to his son. In front of the mayor and half the city council.
0: I didn't mean to. I had high hopes for you, Edwin. I thought someday you'd be the head of this company but you've had every advantage, and you've done nothing to make me proud of you. Oh, yes, I have. Really? I've been studying the hazmat gas your scientists have been working with. I figured out how to control it. Look! You're living in a dream world. Even I don't completely understand that gas. Now stop wasting my time. Edwin Alva Jr., my legacy. I'd be better off with a statue. Still here.
1: Yeah, it's 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 some of the things you're just waiting for, like the punchline to come through. It's almost like if you've ever watched Family Guy and how Peter Griffin is to to Meg, like (laughs) like it's it almost goes into that sort of comedic comedic area where it's like you're so mean it's supposed to be funny but it's not. And, and it's, it's not supposed to be funny, but it almost is incredibly funny based on how mean he is to him. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I don't know how I was confused on how to grade that because it's, it's not unintentionally
2: funny, but it's, it's very mean. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild, but uh, I, yeah, I think my, my favorite uh, performances in the episode uh, come from, um the the hawkins family uh i think this is the most that michelle morgan as as his sister sharon has certainly gotten to do in an episode she's mostly just there for uh virgil to say something funny to. in in the other episodes we've reviewed so far to sort of see her kind of be a little bit uh have a little bit more to do in both in the opening scenes where she's kind of trying to run a little, little bit of interference to to keep their dad from being too mad at Virgil. And then uh, as we said, there's a scene where, where uh, Robert, their dad is, is looking over a, an old family photo album. And she's telling a story about how, uh, you know, they were at, they were at a cookout and, and Virgil took the blame for something that she had done so that their mom wouldn't be too mad at her. And, and how that, that sort of uh, reminds, reminds her that, that Virgil, as much, as much trouble as they give each other, that, they, you know, they're all family and, and that they that she believes in him I thought I thought she did a good job and again it's still not a ton but it was it was definitely the most we've seen I think seen her get to do so far
1: yeah it's touching she does get to show a little bit of more emotion she's less quippy as you said less argumentative uh with Virgil and shows that she's actually caring and loving and goes to bat for Virgil when uh when his dad is maybe doubting doubting his character a little bit so I did appreciate seeing that softer side of her and, and that more loving side of the character
2: yeah. And then uh of course we have uh I like I said, I think the the two stars again doing a great job of contrasting that uh relationship that the Albus have. Uh Kevin Michael Richardson as as Robert, and of course Phil Lamar again as as Virgil slash static. I thought they're very good together, both in that first scene where they're having the argument, and then the scene we already talked about on the roof talk, uh on the rooftop, um, where where Robert kind of gives them his blessing and <laughs> it's such a good, nice moment that, uh, that Virgil forgets that he brought him up there to tell him he's static.
0: I know I've been kind of flaky lately, but there's a reason. Virgil,
2: you don't have to go into it. I don't. No, you don't.
0: Because I trust you. You've never given me a single reason not to. I look, I know you miss your mother. I haven't done a great job of helping you deal with that, but I've watched you handle it better than I have. Frankly, I don't say it enough. I'm proud of you, son. I'll see you downstairs.
2: Oh, dad, wait, I got to tell you something. And, <laughs> and then it's, it's sort of called the way to, uh, to action before he can actually go through with that plan. So, but yeah, I, I really like their interactions, especially, and, and, then, and then Phil Lamar playing off of, uh, of the Alvas at the end there and sort of his just general disgust at uh, what a terrible father Edwin Alva is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. I think Kevin, Michael Richardson is really good. I think that the moments that he has, uh, I think even the initial initial conversation that he has with, uh, with Phil Lamar's Virgil in the, in the gym, I think is really good because they, they kind of set up how, how it's going to be for the rest of the show. And he really does come across as sort of this disappointed, but concerned father, um, you know, and it, it's obviously the stark contrast between the disappointed, concerned, and mean father that Edwin Alva is, but Mm -hmm. um, I feel like their, their chemistry certainly comes into play here. uh, His and and Phil Lamar's in in this as well. I I felt like their performances were both very, very strong.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Uh, For all those reasons, I ended up at a a very high nine out of 10 for voice acting this, uh, in this episode. Nice. And uh, believe it or not, I
1: also gave it a nine out of 10 for that same reason. Uh, So we have a very similar scores, almost uh, unilaterally across the board here. So uh, that will bring us, Liam, to our final scores for this week. So totaling everything up, uh, I have uh, for this second part of our
2: double feature, a 32 out of 40. What about you? And I am just one point higher at a, a 33 out of 40. So. Uh, both uh, a lot more in lockstep on on this episode than we were maybe in the first one, but uh, sure. yeah, as as we get into rewatchability for the second episode, yeah, I would say I would once again say this is a uh, definitely a watch for the series. Um, Maybe not again. Most of these characters, with the exception of Static himself, don't appear outside of the show, unfortunately. So. It's hard to say how many of these episodes really affect the DCAU as a whole, but uh, <laughs> at least ones that don't, you know, feature other characters like Superman or Green Lantern or whoever. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is really important to the show. Obviously, it's a big moment in uh, for for Static, not only at, uh, from a character standpoint, but also uh, when Alba does come back, as well as you know, sort of. Begins a quest to sort of find a way to cure his his son's illness over the next couple of seasons. It is, it is uh, spoiler alert. It is eventually resolved. I believe not until the final season, though. So uh, they do kind of uh, draw this out for a while. But it's a it's a pretty important moment for for one of the the bigger villains, especially of this first season. So I think this is definitely another uh, thumbs up for ability.
1: Again, and yeah, absolutely. And I think grading on a curve. We look at some of the episodes we've seen in the past. Uh, I'm not recommending uh, the Shack static shack episode to rewatch uh, for any reason, uh, let alone just for, for that. So I think looking at that, looking at this is a, a thread that kind of plays out throughout the show, as you said, is eventually paid off. Um, Is pivotal to learning about this main baddie it it adds some depth to the character uh, your main baddie for the season and when Alva senior and uh, certainly adds a little bit of tragedy it certainly builds on the relationship between static and his dad. Uh, which is another important relationship that takes place in this, in this series. So yeah, I'd say that looking at as far as the grand scheme of things out in the grand scheme of the DCAU, no, it's not pivotal, but if you're watching static episodes and you want to, you want to watch a good one uh, I'd say, well, arguably, I'd say we picked a good pair to watch this week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think these are, these are both fun episodes, both easy to watch and, Obviously, each only 22 minutes long, so it's not a, a big time ask either. So, yeah, I think we uh, we we picked a couple of good ones to uh, to watch, and uh, looking forward to hopefully finding a few more good ones this month.
1: Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to the end of this week's double feature. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Liam runs our Twitter page. We love having all kinds of conversations happening over there about uh, the dcau lots of exciting things happening we have dcau tie-in comics that are re- releasing left and right uh so head on over to twitter.com slash dcau review follow us there interact join the conversation as they say and uh yeah give us a follow at dc at uh, dcau review on instagram also posting lots of fun stuff over there as well uh, don't forget you can also support the program if you wish Uh, We don't run ads, but we would love for you to support the program if you're financially able to. You can get a shirt, a hat, mug, sticker, something. uh, Check out the DCAU Review shop at dcaureview.com. You can also check out the archives there of our previous episodes and uh, if you listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to leave us a review, we would very much appreciate that. A five-star one, if you if you may, uh, if you please, and uh, certainly give some feedback. Let the good people out there in the podcast-verse know what it is that you appreciate about our podcast. Speaking of which, Liam, uh, since we are continuing here in the month of June, that means we are going to continue with more static reviews coming up next week. So why don't we talk about what episode we'll be reviewing on next week's episode.
2: Absolutely. So next week we are going to be sticking with season one and actually viewing a a return of a villain that we spoke about uh, once before. And that will be the return of Rubber Band Man in the episode Bent Out of Shape. Love it. Uh, Loved uh, pretty, pretty favorable review on that rubber band man
1: uh, first episode. So Mm -hmm. interested to see if that uh, stays true for the, uh, for the second follow-up episode. So looking forward to covering that with you next week. Absolutely. But until then I'm Cal and I'm Liam, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the
2: DCAU review. Bye-bye.